Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks Thanks be to to God, who gives us victory, the victory, the victory, through our Lord Jesus Christ. And welcome back in to the Living Victory Podcast. My name is Christian Conway. As always, I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Max Keen and Jonathan Kraus. How are you guys doing this week? I am doing swell. Oh gosh, literally just yawned. Um, <laughs> I'm doing okay. <laughs> uh, school didn't end the way that I imagined it would end. Um, and then something happened right after school. So uh, it's it's been an emotional ride of a week, I guess you could say. But uh, we're, we're getting through it one day at a time, folks. Yeah, it's funny emotional ride of a week <laughs> before this podcast we were just talking about how uh myself so max and myself are very emotionally flat i don't know if that's the the term to use but we are the kind of people who experience emotions we just experience those emotions on the inside and it often doesn't come out as uh, like as people would expect for it to or desire for it to on the outside so we were talking about how my reactions and max's reactions to things often will involve excitement on our behalf, but the people around us don't know that they involve that excitement because the way that, that people usually expect excitement to come out, like through a big smile and some some you know uh, passion behind the words and reiterating how much you love a gift or reiterating how much you love something, that, just, that doesn't necessarily translate for Max and myself. So uh, Jonathan, it seems, has, has gotten all the emotion for three people <laughs> between the three of us. <laughs> Yeah, what? if any any time you guys want to, you know, take a little bit, I'm more than happy to share. <laughs> what gets you excited, Christian? What gets me excited? Well, like, I can tell you. What would give you a reaction? I can tell you the best, a, the best surprise I've ever had was I was, I don't know, eight, nine, no, let's see. I'm going to do the math. I've lived in a bunch of different places and I've moved every three years so I can do the math to see how old I was going back. So I would have been somewhere between 10 and 13, probably like 11 or 12. And I, we were at church on Sunday morning. And for, for those who don't know, I'm a huge Broncos fan, Denver Broncos, NFL team. That's my team. Like I'm a huge fan. And we were at church on a Sunday morning. We lived in San Diego. And this was back when the one of the Bron- one of the teams that the Broncos played every year was the San Diego Chargers, who are now the Los Angeles Chargers. But this was, you know, eight, seven or eight years ago. So they were the San Diego Chargers, which means every year the Broncos came one time to the city that I lived in to play an NFL game. And it was on a Sunday morning when the Broncos were playing in San Diego. And I had asked my parents and asked my parents and asked my parents if I could go to the game. And they kept saying no. We can't afford it. Like NFL tickets are ridiculously expensive. It's like $100 to go see this game. We're not going to let you go see it. And I kind of just accepted the fact because I was one of those kids who was like fiscally responsible. And I always, always wanted my family to make responsible money decisions. So I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to, you know, tell them that they were wrong and that they should send me. I I accepted their reasoning as valid. So I went to church that morning, uh, you know, youth group and my parents came in to the youth group and I was like, why are my parents in here? And they were invited on stage by the youth pastor to announce that they actually had bought me Broncos tickets to that game that day. 
And in front of the entire youth group, they invited me up on the stage to accept my tickets so I could go to the game with my dad that afternoon. And I think that was probably the most excited reaction I've ever had to anything. And it still, if most people saw my reaction, they would probably consider it below average on the excitement <laughs> scale. Like, I think I went up and I was like smiling, smiling a lot, which for people who know me is not, is not abnormal because I'm one of those people who just kind of constantly has a smile on my face, regardless of what I'm doing. Often I'll be doing the most menial tasks like reading homework or mowing a yard and people will be like, why are you smiling? Like what? Are you listening to something funny or I don't understand why you're smiling. So people who know me understand that I'm always smiling. And so when I go up and I have a big smile on my face, it's not really abnormal. It just looks like another day in the life of Christian. So I, I went up on the stage and I was smiling and I thanked them. And I like, you know, I did my best to have a, an excited reaction, but I, I didn't like cry or, or do any of the things that you would expect from somebody for a big surprise. So I, like I said, I kind of disappoint in the <laughs> excitement category, but every year Christmas is like a practice day for me to <laughs> get better at my excitement and make sure that I, I am conveying to people on the outside the emotions that I'm feeling on the inside. So it's a, it's a constant work. It's a constant struggle. And it's not a struggle that a lot of people face, but, you know, it's unique. Definitely unique. Uh, and as someone who was on three mission trips with Christian, I can say that the smiling with mundane tasks is, is a very rather creepy thing. Uh, he'll literally <laughs> just be sitting to your left uh like i don't know like we would do devotions probably like 10 feet apart all the time where we would just be sitting down doing our own devotions and i would just look over and he would just be like smiling with no emotion in his eyes or his eyebrows at all so just imagine like having no emotion but smiling it's like the most serial killer-ish thing you see and it's super creepy and it actually like you don't get used to it you just look over and he's just smiling and then he looks at you and you're like what like what did i do, did I do I'm, not, I'm not that funny i promise like my humor is great but i'm not that funny so it was really funny to to um sort of get to know that side of christian what about you max what is what what has been a time of super amazing reaction excitement for you so for me there are three different things that will get me super excited. The first is anytime I get to go to Disney, because that's like the best place ever. The second would be when Marvel announces new shows or movies. That gets me really excited. But I think probably what gets me the most excited, and this probably won't relate to many people, is when a new Smash character is revealed. Um, just that hypes me up when I know that it's coming and then it's like the trailer starts playing. Like I just start, that's probably one of the few things that I'll get super excited for and maybe yell at the TV a little bit. Yeah, I think that's the difference between Max and myself. Like, like I said, we're both kind of emotionally flat and in most situations we will not you know, show the emotion on our face. But the difference between us is our highs and lows. I think that Max has much higher highs than I do when it comes to things that he gets excited about. Because when you, like, you know, you could give Max a really cool gift and he could be like, oh, that's, you know, that's such a good gift. Thank you for this gift. And, you know, not have a super excited, you know, reaction on his face. But when you announce to Max that he's going to Disney or you literally <laughs> bring up Disney in any mundane conversation, then Max, like, starts fangirling about Disney. So 
<laughs> I would definitely say that he has higher highs than I do when it comes to emotions <laughs> and excitement. That's that's probably true. Um, all right. Well, we're about seven or eight minutes into this, so we should probably get into our topic, which is yes. Christian's favorite verse. Wait, so you didn't give you didn't give like a, a super creative uh, transition. Like speaking of things that make Christian smile. His favorite verse is <laughs> Romans 28. So let's hop into it. <laughs> so Christian, why don't you share with us about your favorite verse and why it's your favorite verse? So Romans 8.28 is, I wouldn't say it's like one of the more popular verses in the Bible, especially since, you get, since it gets overshadowed by a lot of the other verses in Romans. But it's definitely one of the, like, it's definitely in the top, 15 or 20 verses that are quoted by Christians and and that are constantly brought up and really just Romans chapter eight. Like if you ever just have a moment to read one chapter in the Bible and you want like a really deep chapter that has a lot of lessons to learn, then you should read Romans chapter eight because Romans chapter eight, like if you read from beginning to end, let's see how many verses is it? It's uh 39 verses. If you read from beginning to end of Romans chapter eight, chapter eight it's like there's so many lessons that you learn so many biblical lessons and like there's you could preach a series of sermons just from romans chapter eight and all the different lessons that come from it so it's a very rich chapter and romans chapter eight verse 28 which is my favorite like max said uh, i'll read it before i start talking about it it says and we know that for those who love god all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose so this verse really has two clauses and I love it because, because of like just both clauses and that just simply the fact that it reminds us that there's always something going on behind the scenes, that it's that idea that is often brought up in Christianity. We talk about it a lot on the podcast that a lot of times God is doing something that you can't see. He's doing something greater than the perspective that you see or greater than, than what you see in the here and now. And like I said, I've, I've said this before in my military, my military child life, you know, being a military child, we move around a lot. And like I said, about every three years, we move to a new place. And so I, I calculated it a while ago. I've lived in like 12 houses in my life and I'm 18 years old. So looking at this, this verse, it says that God works all things together for the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And being a military child, moving around a lot, I'm always able to look back on every place that I lived and see how God worked at, worked in my life and in my family's life in that place and why he brought us there. Because a lot of times moving to places, we look forward to them and we're like, you know, I don't really see why God's bringing us here. Uh, like Guam, for example. When we moved here to Guam, uh, we're currently living in Guam. We moved here and my sister and I were both starting college. And my parents were like, you know, God, this is... Guam's a beautiful place. It's a it's a tropical island, but this is not the greatest time for us to be moving to like a more isolated island because both of our kids are trying to go to college, so they either have the option of staying back in the states and going to college on their own and having us, you know, on the other side of the earth more than a 24-hour plane flight away, or they have the option of coming following us to Guam and going to the University of Guam, which is not a bad college or bad university, but it doesn't quite compare to some of the the bigger more prestigious universities in the States. And so they were like questioning God's timing on this. But then when we moved here, we saw that God had a plan for us. First off, the University of Guam is much cheaper than most of the universities in the States. It's, it's comparable to the price of a community college in the United States. 
And having that, that really put myself, my sis, myself and my sister in a, a great position moving forward financially uh, to, to move forward into the future with little to no student debt. We actually have a plan right now for us to both graduate college with zero student debt, which is an amazing thing to do. And so just looking back on it, we can see how, although we moved here and we weren't quite sure why God was sending us here at this stage in our life, we can look, look back on it and see how God really did work through every single thing that we've done here and work through us every step of the way. So it's this verse just, just re-emphasizes this point that God is always working through everything that's going on. He works through all things for the good, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And so every single thing that goes on, God is somehow working through that situation. And then, like I said, I also love the second part of the verse, the second clause in the verse, which says, uh, for those who love him and also for those who are called according to his purpose. Because it shows us, first off, that God cares about those who love him. And a lot of times people think, like especially people outside of the church looking in, think that loving God is like an exclusive club, that only the people who are chosen by God can love him. And it's unfair of God to choose some people and not choose other people. But really, when we look at it, the entire story of the gospel, the entire story of, of, or the entire story of the Bible in general, God creating humans in this perfect world, humans turning away from him and doing all the things he told us not to do. And then God coming back into the world to save these humans who, who turned away from him as soon as they had the opportunity. Like he, he continues to pursue us, even though he doesn't need to. And it's like, God is reaching his hand down to us. He's reaching his hand down. And all we have to do is reach up and grab it in faith. Faith and repentance, those are the two things, the only two things that the Bible calls for in order for us to come to salvation in Jesus Christ. And so all we have to do is reach up our hand and grab grab onto him, and we can be, you know, ha- we can be saved, we can have eternal life, we can be one of those people who loved him, and one of those people who are called according to his purpose. And so this verse just shows you that those people who make that decision to follow God, to to be a part of his greater plan, and and to to devote themselves to serving him in a relationship like that it shows that God has a plan for each and every one of us. And he works out things, he works out things for our good. And it's very similar. <clears throat> it's very similar to the verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, which says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. These two verses have very similar ideas because they're both saying that God has something in store for us and he's constantly working, working through the situations that we're in to bring that about. So I know this has been a long-winded explanation, but it's really the idea that in every situation, in the mundane situations, in the exciting situations, God is working through it. And sometimes when we're in terrible situations, we don't know how God can possibly redeem the situation. God is still working through it. He's always working through those situations. And sometimes we don't see it until the, the next day. Sometimes we don't see it until a month later. Sometimes we don't see it until 10 years down the road. But looking back on our situations, it's always clear as a Christian to see how God has worked through each and every situation. And maybe he didn't work through completely through a situation, but maybe he used one situation to bring about another situation, which he worked through down the road. So it's really cool to just be able to look back on my life and see how he's done that at every, every step of the way. And this verse is a reminder that, that that will remain true going into the future and that I can have faith and continue, continued, you know, continue to be reminded that God is always working through the things that are going on and he's always working through them for my good. And one more thing I want to clear up before I I finish talking about this verse is that that part at the end there for the good, for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. 
a lot of times people look back at situations and say, God didn't work through this for my good because it made me poorer and it, it, it hurt my relationships and it took away my, like my car broke down and they look at all these things that they consider good. But when we understand this verse, we have to understand that it's, it's coming through God's perspective and the things that it mentions as good, the, the good that it mentions that God will bring about, that is good in God's sight, not good in our sight. And so a lot of times we look at good and we consider it to be material possessions or we consider it to be, you know, success on earth by earthly standards. But often we, we, we mistake the situation because it's God's standard of goodness that he is providing through every situation, not our standard of goodness. So that's one last thing that this verse helps me do is kind of reorient myself and reframe situations to stop looking at it and trying to see what's good for me and what's good for my perspective but looking at situations from the perspective that God might be looking at them and seeing how he is seeing good in every situation. So it's it's just this whole idea of, of understanding that in every situation, no matter what is going on, God is working through the good, or God is working for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. It just, it, it really helps you get a more positive outlook on every single situation you go through in life. And so, yeah, that thank you, Christian, for that and explaining that and why it's your favorite verse. Um, so sort of piggybacking off the end there where it talks about God's goodness compared to like what we think good is and God knows so much more than we know. God, God's plans are so much greater than what we can imagine. And, um, even in hard times, like for instance, this year with COVID, there were so many awful things that came with that. And yet there were still some good things that came from it. For instance, without COVID, I don't even know if we'd be talking to you guys right now. Like this podcast, I don't think it would be around if COVID didn't hit. Um, so that's one instance of a good thing that came from um, something bad. I'm not going to be one of those people that says, oh, COVID was a blessing from God because no, it's all the sickness and the death and all that. No, that's not by any means good. Um, But God can use something like that to help others or reveal to them certain things or can help them in certain areas. It can be from a podcast to um, people helping one another um, in difficult times or the church building um, one another up or even new people coming to church. We've seen a lot of that too with COVID. And so there's so many different things that can happen through hard times, but God is still always going to be faithful. And even in the good times, like praise God for those times when he's by your side and when or well, he's by your side all the time. But when he's when good things are happening, like praise him for those things. It's not by you. It's not your goodness that got you there. It's through the blessings of God. And so I just wanted to say that God is always going to be good, no matter what. Um, he's he loves his people, and if you love him, then this verse. I mean, it says that he's going to work all things out for your good, whatever that looks like by God's standards. Yeah, I I know we can't 
iterate that enough because this is really one of those verses in the Bible that can be taken out of context super easily, um, just like the one in Jeremiah. But uh, like Max said, God's plans are always greater than our plans. And the problem with that is we make plans for ourselves uh, a lot. And we kind of take them to be God's plans for us, whether we really know it or or don't know it. Um, I know that uh, recently I've been kind of, uh, I guess you could say, making plans. <laughs> and, you know, some, some of them are not working out the way that I originally imagined that they would work out. And it's kind of left me feeling like uh, not bad, I guess you could say, but definitely like well, maybe I wasn't really relying on God's wisdom and perspective as much as I should have been. And it's definitely kind of a humbling thing. Um, and it's showed me how much, you know, how much more effort I need to be putting into my relationship with God, because it's feeling like that I'm out of tune with his spirit and out of tune with where he wants to direct my life and wants the course of my life to go. And this is one of those verses that just reminds us that even in the moments that uh, we really feel like, you know, life isn't working out for our good, uh, that, you know, it's really God guiding us to a different path, but that might be, you know, by a process that we might not like. And, you know, God might consider it good for you to go to prison or to get your head chopped off for his name's sake. And like, it just might not be a good thing by our standards. Um, but we need to realize that ultimately it's God who judges what is good and it's God who judges what is best for us. And we know that his his version of what is good and what is best is what's best. And it's we have to kind of, you know, I guess, quench our pride and quench our egos and sort of uh, relieve control that that we think that we have um, and give it all to him so that he can you know, more smoothly work on us and work with us and, and direct our paths. Um, and this is just a great, great verse and reminder of that. And really chapters eight, uh, Christian talked about this. Uh, Romans chapter eight is <clears throat> a pretty incredible chapter. I recommend that everyone read it because uh, it's, it's, it's really so rich um, and, and so full of, of like Christian said, biblical lessons. Um, and this is just, this verse is just to pick one out of, out of the many. Um, but Paul is, you know, he's, he's really putting across a message of, uh, God's sovereignty and God's ability to, um, work things out for, you know, his glory and his kingdom, even when, uh, we think that they're going terribly. And, uh, I just want to bring this up because it's kind of something that I've been convicted of lately. I think in every day we need to be practically thinking to ourselves, how can we, um, <clears throat> how can we show God's love uh, to other people? Because I think a lot of times in, in our relationships with God, we get this sort of like a, it's a personal relationship with God and I kind of just always need to work on it. And it's, it's, you know, it's, I'm always growing and everything. And sometimes we forget that, that one of the main you know, factors of our relationship with God is how we share that relationship with God with others. Um, and it's, I think the closer that we are to God, the closer that we, uh, or the, the closer that we are to God, the more that we can really share, you know, our experience with that and our, like the way that he's changed us, changed our hearts with other people. And I think that really boosts our testimonies. 
it it really speaks to God's power in our lives. Because I know, like one thing that we've I've talked about this with with a lot of youth groups or not youth groups, uh, small groups and stuff, is when you share the gospel with somebody, if you get intellectual intellectual and you get very logical, um, sure your arguments or I don't like calling them arguments, your constructive conversational comments um, might be like good solid points and the other person might see that but if you share from your heart and you share your testimony and you share what god has done for you and the way he's changed your life he's changed the way that you produce fruit in your life the way that you treat other people the way that you view other people the way that you love other people they can't look at you and say well that's just wrong because they can't tell you that your testimony is wrong and it, it really speaks volumes um, and it's, it, your testimony is, is a powerful thing that God is working in your life and it can really change other people's perspective towards God as well. There, there are times for theological conversations and intellectual, um, constructive conversations. I mean, don't get me wrong. Those are really important things. And I really recommend that you, you know, everyone works on their apologetic skills and, and the ability to share the gospel with other people, but really the ability to share what God has done for you is, is so powerful in and of itself. Um, and it's, it's a, it's a pretty amazing thing. And I personally don't think that I've been thinking about that enough. I mean, I was literally living with, with, um, three non-Christian roommates. And while we did have some biblical conversations and I have shared the gospel with, with, uh, at least one of them, you know, I could have been so much more active on that front. Uh, and it's something that I definitely, I guess I would say I regret, but, um, I think that, I did make a positive impact on them in, in some way. And I'm going to be seeing them, them again, obviously, for the, the spring semester, except one of them. Um, but that's kind of one of my prayers going forward is, especially going into the Christmas season and being on break, um, it's kind of a, a realignment season to check my focus, where my focus is, uh, to see if it's on what God has for me, if it's to see, you know, where does God want me to go and how does he want me to express his love to other people? Um, and that's, it's kind of an interesting thing. And it's these times of reset that you can get maybe a little bit discouraged because you feel like you haven't really been living up to your own standards or you haven't been living up to, you know, the, um, your relationship that you, you know, the importance that you put on your relationship with God, but it's really, it's a time of growth. It's a time to take a step back, to refocus, realign yourself, get into the right mindset and then continue forward again. And it's, it's hard to be excited about it, but it is a positive thing. And there's going to be times like this in all of our lives where we're, we're being readjusted by God because maybe the path we're on is, is a dead end and he needs to um, redirect us. So, you know, it's going into this Christmas season. If anybody else out there is kind of going through what I'm going through, um, you know, be encouraged in it. Know that God is working uh, for your good uh, based on his perspective, just like this verse is talking about. Yeah, I love I love what you said there that the new year is is a time to re- realign and a time to look at your your life and the things that you are appreciative for, but also the things that you'd like to improve. And I think that this verse reflects that really well, just because it shows that God is always working through everything. And like Max said, 2020 has been full of some rough things. It's been full of coronavirus. It's been full of some, you know, like uh, what they call those wasps, the death wasps or murder hornets, the murder hornets, <laughs> the, the murder hornets and things like that. Like just so many crazy things have happened in, in the year 2020. But we know that God is working through each and every one of these things for our good. 
And so it's, it's going into this new year, we can look forward with anticipation to see how God uses these things to, to glorify himself and to bring us even closer to him in the process of sanctification uh, for our faith. And so speaking of that, like Jonathan just shared some of the things that he'd like to improve uh, going into the new year. Max, do you have any, any New Year's resolutions or things that you'd like to improve in your own life uh, going into the new year that you would like to see yourself uh, get better at or do more often or, or really anything that you'd like to improve in your own life? Um, so there are a couple. One thing I want to do is go through the Bible in a year again. Um, I did that, I think, the year before this one, and I really enjoyed doing that, as well as um, just learning going through each book and um, seeing how they all connect together, if that makes sense, like seeing how all scripture works together. Um, So that's one big thing that I want to do. Um, Another thing I want to do is I started at least two or three times a week at the start of the semester going on prayer walks. And then as the semester went on and I got busier, I kind of stopped doing that. Um, so I want to get back into the habit of doing prayer walks at least twice a week. Um, and then lastly, something I want to do is make the most of time with people who are graduating or uh, people that I know I won't see as often anymore. Um, just because I know that time is flying by and as I get older, I see that more happening where time is just going by so fast. And like, I think one of the guys that I might room with next semester, he's going to be a senior. And so just making time um, for people like that, where I may not see them as often as I will after and making a priority to uh, keep in touch with them uh, moving forward. So those are a couple of the things that I'm going to try and work on this year. Uh, looking forward. Man, that's great. It's uh, Those are definitely important things to look at. Like just seeing how we as Christians have so many opportunities uh, in our lives to represent Christ and taking advantage of those opportunities is really, really important. And speaking of that, uh, my own resolution or, or, you know, thing that I'd like to improve on in the new year, at least one of them, uh, is sharing the gospel more because I know that I I do share the gospel, but I also know that there are so many opportunities I have that I don't take advantage of. And I don't take advantage of them because I don't recognize them. But the reason I don't recognize them is because I'm not looking out for those opportunities. And it's, it's like anything in life. Like I, I often use the example of my brother and snakes, my brother, if he, he's deathly afraid of snakes. So if he walks through a field, he's constantly looking for snakes to see if they're out there anywhere. And myself, I don't really care. So I'd rather not see a snake, even if it is there. So I just walk through the field, don't pay any attention. And shocker, it's a shocker that he sees way more snakes than I do because he's always on the lookout for them. In the same way, if I am not looking out for gospel sharing opportunities, if I'm just walking through life, kind of keeping my eyes up, not looking around to see what opportunities I have, then that will significantly hinder uh, the number that I actually recognize and the opportunities that I have and take advantage of to share the gospel. So I think I'm going to take our own advice from the podcast and keep an accountability partner or a couple accountability partners for sharing the gospel. 
And whether that's trying to share the gospel once a week, trying to share the gospel a couple times a month, whatever I decide on doing, I'm going to set a goal for myself on how many times I share the gospel and then be looking for those opportunities to make sure that I can share the gospel when the opportunity arises and when God presents the opportunity before me. And the second one that I have is really something that I, I try to emphasize every day, try to emphasize every week. And especially going into the new year, it'll be a great time for me to re-emphasize it. And that is trying to love people in everything that I do. Because I so often are, you know, it, I, I love the fact that Christ, when he was asked what the greatest commandment was, he said, well, the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. It's to love your neighbor as yourself. So he said the two greatest commandments are both involving love. The first one is to love God, and the second one is to love your neighbor. And so in every situation that I experience, I try to keep myself to that standard. I try to keep myself to the standard of first loving God. So whatever situation I'm in, I look around and see how can I love God through my reaction, through my actions that I take, through the words that I speak, whatever I do in the situation. How can I love God through that? And then secondly, how can I love people in this situation? How can I love my neighbor? And love is so complex. Like I, I have been on a kick recently where I'm reading 1 Corinthians chapter 13 once a week, or sorry, excuse me, once a day. Uh, every night before I go to bed, I read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And it's not a long chapter. It's about 13 verses, but the entire chapter is about love and what godly love looks like. And right now I'm actually doing something really cool. I am taking the attributes that 1 Corinthians 13 has um, describing love, and I'm using one of those per day to focus on and really show myself how how many opportunities I miss to love people. So for example, um, the first two, it says, love is patient, love is kind. So yesterday when I started, uh, when I started this whole thing, I decided to focus on patience. Love is patient. So somebody who is loving to those around them should be patient. And so I was looking at patience in my own life. How can I be more patient with those around me? And then today I chose kindness. I said, how can I look at kindness in my own life? How can I be more kind to those around me? And so that's another one of my resolutions is to love those people around me. So those two two main ones for me, two re- main resolutions are first to share the gospel more and to have an accountability partner for that. And secondly, to love the people around me more. That's a less concrete uh, resolution, like sharing the gospel. I can keep track of the times when I do that. Uh, when it comes to loving people, it's less concrete. It's harder to keep track of, but I know that if I if I put more effort toward it and continue to increase the the amount of love that I show to people, it'll make it'll have resounding effects in my own life and in the life of people around or the lives of people around me. And so uh, those two things are really things that I want to focus on moving into the new year. So going into this new year, a lot of people are going to be having uh, New Year's resolutions. Um, I know we just kind of talked about some of uh, the ones that we're kind of having for ourselves. And those are, those are great things. And, but for anybody, uh, like me, um, sometimes it's, you see the mountain of work in front of you. Um, and you forget that taking one step at a time is the, the most important thing. And yeah, the mountain is pretty easy to focus on. Cause I mean, it's a mountain in front of you. Like what else are you supposed to look at? But the, the step in front of you is really the only thing that you can um, solidly put, you know, put one foot in front of the other. And 
that's often something that I forget, especially when it comes to stuff like school. I see the, you know, instead of doing one assignment at a time, one day at a time, I look at that mountain of work that is, is, you know, being presented to me and I get discouraged and then I end up getting lazy and then I end up doing nothing rather than just getting, you know, assignments done when they need to get done. So, and I kind of have that, sometimes that same mindset in life, especially when I feel like I haven't been uh, living, you know, as God would want me to live uh, or I, you know, I haven't been as active in my relationship with God. And that often discourages me. And then when I get discouraged, I, I, you know, I get unproductive and there really as a, yes, it might be discouraging, but we don't have time to be discouraged. You know, it's, it's funny to say it like that, but really the, like, you can't change what happened yesterday. You can only move forward and affect what happens tomorrow. One of the, a verse that has been kind of I guess rolling around in my brain as of late, and I've actually shared this with a couple people, um, is is Philippians 3, 13 through 14. It says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Um, and this verse just kind of speaks to the fact that you can't change what what is, you know, what happened yesterday. Um, the only thing you do is strive forward for the call of God in Christ Jesus. And that's, it's, it helps me to focus on that, to focus on what's ahead, um, to focus how, you know, on how, how God, how does God want me to grow today? Like Christian was saying um, with the, you know, he's taking one attribute of love a day and focusing on that. I mean, those are practical one step options for you to grow as a person, to grow as, in your relationship with God and to positively affect other people in your relationship with them. And those are, those are great practical steps that, that you can take and anyone can take. Um, and it's those things that kind of get us out of, uh, or at least me personally, out of these kind of modes of discouragement um, where you can, you focus on, on the small things in life, focus how you can change one thing a day um, to positively impact yourself, to positively impact your personal growth. Um, and it's, it's, those are great, great things. So I was really happy that the Christian shared that and, and uh, it kind of, made me think about how um, maybe I'm focusing a little bit too much on on the drastic, you know, dramatic changes right now, rather than just focusing on those small things that you can do every day that add up to be big, uh, you know, kind of life altering things in the future. They just don't seem like it now. But uh, definitely that's that's an encouragement to, to anyone out there um, is, you know, focus on the small things uh, every day, focus on on, you know, taking practical one step things to, to grow in your relationship with God and to grow in your relationship with other people. I really love that idea of breaking goals down. Like, like when you have a mountain in front of you, don't look at the mountain that you have to climb because looking all the way at the top and trying to imagine yourself getting there is really overwhelming, like you said. But one thing that I was listening to a podcast one time and they were talking about that exact idea, how when you have a hundred miles to go or when you have a mountain to climb, the best way to look at it is not to look at the hundred miles that you have and be like, Oh my gosh, how am I going to conquer this hundred miles? And the best way to look at it is to say, okay, well, what am I going to do for the next 10 feet? What am I going to do for the next hundred feet? Because if, if you're always focusing on the next hundred feet, focusing on maximizing the next hundred feet, you will eventually get a hundred miles, but you'll make sure that every step of the way you're maximizing and, and refocusing on what is happening in the here and now. 
And I actually took that advice seriously because at, at that time I was running when I heard that. And I was thinking to myself, hmm, running is the same way uh, as climbing a mountain. Like if I'm, if I'm running, you know, 15 miles or whatever, I've never run 15 miles, but let's say I did. Let's, let's just imagine a world in which Christian could run 15 miles. Then the way that I would do that is not by saying, all right, well, 15 miles away from here is this, this restaurant. So let me run all the way to the restaurant. The way I would do it and the way I did do it on that run, which was probably more in the neighborhood of four miles, uh, <laughs> was I looked at the next car. I was, I was running in a neighborhood. So I said, all right, let me get to the next car. Let me focus on getting to the next car as efficiently and as fast as I can. And trying my hardest to get, putting the best foot forward from here to that next car. And then once I got to that car, I was like, all right, well, I, that was easy. I, I put my best foot forward for 15 seconds. Now let me put my best foot forward for the next 45 seconds to that next car and the next car and the next car and the next car and the next car. And before you know it, you've gone a mile and a half. You've passed 21 cars. And every step of the way, you've been maximizing, maximizing your energy, maximizing uh, your effort that you're putting into it. And for myself, that's really powerful uh, just as life application because it, it works the same way in life. For, for example, if you're going to college, uh, you have four years of school ahead of you. You have lots of grueling hours of study and classes ahead of you and professors and classmates and not understanding assignments, all these things. If you look at that four years and say, man, I have to get through all four of these years, it's going to be intimidating. You're going to be thinking to yourself, how am I going to make it through? But if you look at yourself and say, all right, well, I'm going to make it through this day. I'm going to make it through the class work that I have today. And sometimes I even split it up into the like individual classes. Like, all right, I'm going to get my history class done for today. And as I do the history class for the next hour and a half, I'm going to give it my best foot forward. I'm going to do everything I can to learn this material and be as effective as possible in that. And then once I finish my history, I say, all right, now I'm going to turn to my science class. I'm going to do the same thing in my science class. And so instead of going four years, looking four years into the future and saying, man, I have to do this for four years, you say, all right, I'm going to do this for the next hour. I'm going to do this for the next hour and a half. I'm going to do this for the next half an hour, whatever the time period is. And then you just do that over and over and over again. And you are breaking it up into much smaller, much more manageable chunks. And so the same way with any New Year's resolution you may have, you should look at it that way. And say, how can I break this up into smaller chunks where I will eventually get the entire thing done, but I'm not looking at it all and being overwhelmed by the massive amount of work that there is to do. And I think that's just an excellent way to break down bigger goals, to not be scared by bigger goals, and to really allow them to make an impact on your life. So one thing I want to talk about real quick is um, as this next year comes and, you know, everyone's waiting for 2020 to end. Um, we honestly don't know what 2021 is going to look like. It could be better. It could be worse than 2020. Um, I know everyone's kind of hoping for, you know, it to be better, but we don't know what it's going to look like. And yet we know that we know that good God is working out good things for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. Um, because, he loves us. He cares about us. And so even though moving forward, it might be tough. And even though it could end up being another 2020 type year, we know that God is still going to work through it. And so we can't control the circumstances around us. We can't control what's going to happen. We can't control if 
another type of coronavirus comes out. Um, but we can react in different ways. And so ultimately the choice comes up is, are you going to live in a way that is going to react like the rest of the world where, you know, everyone's just panicking and going crazy? Or are you going to stand up for Christ, stand up and have peace knowing that God is in control of it? Or if it's a great year, are you going to, you know, be celebrating like the world or are you going to give glory to God? Are you going to say, hey, God brought us through this time. He brought us through this year. It's you have choices to make. And so I encourage you guys as this next year rolls around, whatever it looks like to do it all for the glory of God and not for your own glory or to just be like, oh, you know, it's over now. Yay. We can put it all behind us and not really bring up God in the moment, um, which honestly is a really easy thing to do um, to overlook God in conversations. Um, But I encourage you to make an effort to, um, if people ask how 2020 was, be like, well, it, you know, wasn't great, but God brought me through it. Or if it was a great year for you, be like, you know, I actually was really blessed by God during this time. And so there are many different things that you can um, talk about with this and let God be the center of and the focus of what you talk about. So whatever this year looks like for you, whether it's good or bad, um, whether it's easy, whether it's hard, whether it's busy or light, let it all be for the glory of God. And Max, when he was talking about that, brought up one more thing that I, I want to warn against. And that is looking to the future with the hope that something will, you know, make us happier in the future. Like 2020 has been hard. 2020 has been, you know, difficult. And the, the future is surely going to be easier. So let's look forward with anticipating hope that the things we desire will be brought to us in the future. And it's great to look forward to the future with hope. We have lots of things to look forward to. But one thing I would warn against is putting your hope in earthly things, putting your hope in earthly possessions, putting your hope in things that only earthly people can deliver. Because I was I was talking to a friend earlier today about just that that idea of putting your hope in things that ultimately will break down or there's everything in life on your on everything in your life on this earth will eventually break down, will eventually rot away, will eventually um, disappoint you in one way or another. And the only thing in our lives that we'll never do that is our hope in eternal life in Jesus Christ. And so I would I would just warn against putting your hope in things that are earthly rather than things that are heavenly and eternal. Because if you put all of your hope in eternal things, or excuse me, if you put all of your hope in earthly things and those types of things that break and that disappoint, then you are bound to eventually be disappointed and to not not have your dreams and your hopes come to fruition. It is only if you put your hope in Jesus Christ and and, in that eternal future that he offers and then allow that hope to infect the way that you live on earth, that is the only way that you can be assured that your hope will never disappoint you and never fall short of what you expect. So with that, I just want to thank you guys for listening to this episode. We wanted to kind of end this year with a bang. This has been the the first year of the Living Victory podcast. Hopefully it's one of many, um, you know, 2020. Now we're moving on into 2021, and I'm really excited to see what the new year brings us. 
Uh, as always, I want to thank you guys for listening to the podcast. You guys are, are the reason that we can continue to do this. Like Max said, without COVID, this may have never happened. Without you guys, this for sure would not have continued. And you guys are, are our rock, our foundation. You are the reason that we do this. And we thank you so much for listening each and every week. We thank you for your, your listenership. And as always, if you want to support us, you can uh, go to uh, livingvictorypodcast.com slash donate. Or you can leave a rating and review on iTunes. That's a free way that offers a lot of support. It helps us grow up the charts, uh, the more ratings and reviews that we have on the podcast. We'd love to get in contact with you. If you have any questions, doubts, concerns, or anything, please send us an email. Please message us on Instagram, message us on Facebook. Uh, that's Instagram and Facebook at Living Victory Podcast. You can send us an email at Max, Jonathan, or Christian at livingvictorypodcast.com. Or if you want to reach all three of us, that's questions at livingvictorypodcast.com. We want to hear from you guys. We want to have conversations. We love having conversations with our listeners. And so if you guys have anything at all, please send it to send it our way. We'll read it and we'll definitely get back to you. And we can even turn it into a podcast episode in the future if you'd like us to. So we just we thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. And as always, love each other and shine your light.